the flight was so long. I went from New York to LA, LA to Sydney. Then I stopped over in Cannes for a little, uh, can't, I forgot how to pronounce it, Cairns, whatever, somewhere more. And then I got to Perth and my aunt has this like weird Jamaican, Australian accent. My husband's Scottish, so he has like this weird Scottish Australian accent. My cousins have like the thickest Australian accent. <laughs> so I didn't understand what anybody was saying. <laughs> and I was just like, what am I doing here? I feel like I haven't slept in a week and like oh, no. these people are speaking to me in allegedly, allegedly they're speaking to me in English. Allegedly. And I don't understand <laughs> what they're saying. But then I think I didn't feel as much homesickness because my aunt was there. Mm-hmm. So I would go whenever I felt like I needed a family situation, I need to be in a house with like a real kitchen, and you know, I would go to their place. And my aunt also cooked Jamaican food, so you know, anytime, anytime I felt any type of homesickness, I would just go there. So I didn't really experience it that much. Won't you come along with me? Hello, hello! Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad. Perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Sutanya as the guest. Sutanya is a writer from New York who has been living in Paris, France for the past seven years, and she also has a really great podcast called Dinner for One where she walks people through different recipes she cooks in her kitchen. And then as she cooks, she tells different stories about things that she's learned as an expat and also just various things about her life living solo in Paris after a breakup. And I don't think I knew about the podcast when I first started following Sutanya. I think I found her randomly on Instagram one day and I was like, oh, black lady living in France and her photos look really nice Uh, I guess I'll follow so I can see more and you know then I found out about the podcast and there was one day where she was actually asking for podcast recommendations so you know shameless plug I responded and I was like well I have this study abroad podcast you might be interested in feel free to check it out if you'd like she was like, oh, okay, yeah, I studied abroad in Australia, and I really loved it. And so I said, well, would you like to be a guest on the show sometime? And she was like, sure. So here we are today. <laughs> so before Sutanya moved to France, while she was an undergrad, she spent six months as a student in Australia, in Perth, Australia. It was basically a chance for her to basically take the same or similar classes that she would have been taking in the States anyway, but in Australia instead. So she took that opportunity and had a really wonderful time. You'll get to hear all the various ways in which she enjoyed her time there and also how uh, spending six months in Perth helped her open up to the idea of moving abroad later on and also feel maybe even a little more prepared for living abroad um, later on. Uh, And then of course you'll get to hear about her life in France as well, which she is also making the most of and enjoying very much. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Sutanya Dakers. 
Um, it's nice to meet you. Same here. Um, I have been listening through your show. I haven't caught up to the present yet. Mm-hmm. I started from the beginning, but I um, I really enjoy your show and your thank you what you post on Instagram and everything. So I'm really glad thank to have so a much. chance to yeah, of course. I'm really glad to have a chance to talk to you today. Um, and I, I appreciate you for being willing to be a guest. That's um, that's awesome as well. So. Great. Well, why don't we start with you introducing yourself a bit, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, well, my name is Tanya Dakers. I am I'm a writer, and I'm currently living in Paris, France, and I'm the host of um, the po- podcast called Dinner for One. Great. Great. And then... My, my neighbors are quite loud. My windows are... Can you hear them? Or? A little bit, but it's okay. It's okay. You know. Okay, okay. I mean, that's real life, right? Yeah, it is. It is. (laughs) And so you are, as you said, living in Paris now. And you're originally from... I was born in Jamaica, right? Yeah, I was born in Jamaica. I didn't. I didn't know you wanted those kind of details. No, I was, I was just. Born. <laughs> I was just trying to give a trajectory yeah, in terms of was, like places um, you've been. Yeah, I was born in Jamaica, um, Mandeville, Jamaica, to be specific, in the island. And I moved to New York City when I was four years old, and pretty much lived there most of my life until I moved to Paris at the age mm. of twenty-seven. In between, I went to university in Connecticut um, for a couple of years. I was there for a couple of years, but m- mostly New York until I moved to Paris um, eight, seven years ago. Okay. And then somewhere in that time, you also went to Australia, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. No, it's fine. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I studied abroad uh, in Australia 2006. Okay. I 20. Yeah. I, I, I studied in Perth. I went to Edith Cowan University. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And what brought that about? I had I had the choice of either joining a sorority or studying abroad, and I was just kind of like, I kind of want to study abroad. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I decided to go because you know I, t- I, I asked myself when am I going to get this opportunity again to live abroad? This is before I even chose Australia to live abroad. You know, all expenses paid essentially, mm-hmm. and yeah, just have this experience. Um, and I chose Australia because even though I, I, st- I was studying French. So one of my majors in when I was in college um, at university was French, and it would have made sense to go to France, right? Mm-hmm. No, I just told myself I'm mean, gonna to make the most of this opportunity and go somewhere I probably never would go ever in my life, which is Australia. And mm-hmm. I happen to also have an aunt. One of my aunts, my mom's sister, has been living there since late seventies, early eighties, something like that. Mm-hmm. Her husband and her kids. So I also was also an opportunity for me to get to know part of my family that I didn't really know. I think I'd see my aunt, my aunt maybe once or twice in mm-hmm. my entire life and my cousins maybe once. So yeah, this is also an opportunity for me to get to know them. So that's why I chose Australia. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Why was the choice between a sorority and a sorority, goodness, yeah. and studying abroad? <laughs> why because was it I, between- was, I was already in my junior year. Okay. So it would have been, most people typically rush um, that's what they call the recruitment process for sororities. I think either the end of their freshman year, towards the end of the freshman year, beginning of their sophomore year maximum. Mm. So at least they have two years of being in the sorority, two or three years. But I went to study around my junior year. So if I were to rush for a sorority, it would have to be that year. So I at least would have had one last year, mm-hmm. you know, one full year in the sorority as a senior. So I think I think I made the right decision. I mean, no shade for sororities. They're great. <laughs> but for me, I think I made the right decision by studying abroad. Right, right, of course, of course. And this uh, opportunity, was this through your university to go to Yeah, this is through University of Hartford. 
So pretty much uh, my tuition for that semester went towards my tuition for the school. So I didn't have to pay anything extra. So it was already paid, was paid. So yeah, it was quite an easy decision. Mm. And you don't, you know, you don't really see, I don't know if it's because it's not known, but there aren't many black kids and just students and students of color that studied abroad. Like I think out of all the Americans that were in Perth, the unstudy abroad program, because there were tons of um, students from different universities all across the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I was definitely the only black woman, black girl from the U.S. Yeah. I don't know if it would have been different in Sydney or maybe if I had come to Europe or, you know, even I got to London or something, maybe that would have been different, but at least. Well, I mean, how did you, how did you deal with that being the only one? I know you said you had your aunt who was in Australia yeah. too, but. I, I think mean... because I had my aunt there, um, I would escape the kind of university setting and go to her her and her husband's house every Thursday and Sunday. That was like my routine. And mm-hmm. so I would, I'd be around family. And I mean, it was honestly, it was, it was great. It was some of the best time of my life. I mean, I did something, I don't know, stupid, but something that a young person would do. I actually have a constellation of the stars that you can, um, that are on the Australian flag tattoo on my body. Oh, <laughs> because wow. I loved it. Yeah. Because I loved it so much. And I felt like it was such like a, like a seminal like trip for me. Um, it made me, I think, doing that, you know, made it, made moving to Paris a little less scary for me, mm-hmm. even though wait, I moved to Paris on a different circumstances. Yeah. Um, I figured if I could live abroad once I could do it again. So, and it just opened my eyes really to the world and different people in a way that I don't think I, I necessarily was before. And also it made the possibility of living abroad, something that was actually like attainable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a really important trip in my life. Yeah. Hence, I have a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think that's that's stupid. I mean, I, I like tattoos and, you know, you want to commemorate the moment yeah. and remember sure. everything. So For sure. For yeah. Sure. Okay. So you were in Perth. And how yeah. long was this? Uh, six months. Okay. Yeah. And so was this like, um, what am I trying to say? Like required for my... Well, no, I was going to say, uh, was this like a program with a particular focus or was this a chance for you to take the same classes you would in Connecticut, just in Australia? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. Just to take the same classes. It wasn't, uh, yeah, it wasn't uh, tied to a specific program or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just take, I mean, we pre- yeah. at that point, because I was in my junior year as well, you have a lot more electives, yeah. you know? So I also had the opportunity to take whatever kind of classes I want. Okay. I mean, since you mentioned it, was it required or was it just something you wanted to do? It wasn't required at all. Yeah. It was just okay. something I wanted to do. Uh, the opportunity, I said, why not? So okay. I did it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this was like a really, oh goodness, like a one-time chance, or like you said, a chance you wouldn't get to have again to go to Australia yeah. funded and everything. Yeah. Or at um, least I, I, I thought of, I mean, you know, my 20 year old brain. <laughs> yeah. That's what, I, that's what I thought at least. So yeah. yeah I decided to jump at the opportunity. Yeah. So, so had you, well, I know you were born in Jamaica. Had you yeah. been going to Jamaica before then yeah. or gone anywhere else outside the States before that? Yeah. Point? I mean, my, all of my vacations were school holiday vacations were in Jamaica. So like it's the last day of school for summer holidays was June 24th, mm. June 25th. I was on a plane to Jamaica <laughs> spending the entire summer there. So I was very used to, um, yeah, traveling and being on planes and kind of adapting to, even though Jamaican culture is very present at, at, at home, mm-hmm. I still lived in New York. I still lived in America. I quickly became an American child. Yeah. 
So I was already used to kind of like the culture shift, Mm -hmm. like switching cultures and adapting to different cultures and even the different types of food and things like that. So I think definitely my trips to Jamaica and my childhood helped Mm. be a little bit more adaptable to, um, to moving abroad or living abroad at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that's continued to help you now that you're in France. And and Oh yeah, for sure. I definitely (laughs) think that my, uh, yeah, just the fact of from a very young age, like, okay, getting on the plane, knowing that, okay, when I'm in Jamaica, I can't like necessarily do this or say that or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever, or even like I, you know, my accent changed and I took on more of like a Jamaican twang and things like that. And just being more observant around what's around me and, you know, being, being sensitive of the way people live their lives versus how I live my life, um, and respecting people mm-hmm. and their decisions and their choices and everything like that. Yeah. It's definitely helped in them um, in terms of me living here in Paris as well and liking it here. And I know you said this was like when you went to us, when you studied in Australia, it was like over mm-hmm. 10 years ago. So it's okay if you don't remember everything, but, um, I, I, yeah. Oh, no, I was just going to say, can you describe like what a typical day was like for you when you were in Perth? All right. Can I be honest? Sure, sure. I didn't really go to class that much. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Once. Okay. So I had a really good friend and she's actually, I made a friend who's, um, her name is Carly and she's from Cape Cod and Mm -hmm. she's a, she's a, She's a, we, we've kept in contact to this day. She actually came to Paris um, last summer and stayed with me. Once you realize that, like, they didn't take attendance and you just had to, like, make it there for the test, you're like, fuck this shit. And we, <laughs> we got these Australian kids, like, give us their cars. I don't even know how. We definitely did not know how to drive on the other side of the road. Oh, wow. And we would just be, like, going to the beach all day and, like, booping and bopping around Perth. Wow. But mostly, like, going to the beach. So a typical day would be me waking up. Um, this is also, so the dormitories were really interesting because I was used to, um, well, for a lot of the other American kids, they were used to living in dorms where they went to like a cafeteria mm-hmm. to get food, but I had already lived off campus. So I was used to having a kitchen and all that stuff. So I felt like that was a big adjustment for a lot of the Americans. A lot of them would actually come to my kind of like dormitory from to have breakfast with me because I was the only one that like knew how to cook a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so a typical day would be like either me making breakfast for myself or like for a bunch of Americans. And if, you know, if there was like a test or something, me and Carly would like rock up to class and try to figure it out. Uh, but if there wasn't one, we would, there was this one kid named, um, what was his name? I want to say it was like Antoine or Antonio or something. I don't know. He's from like Mauritius or something. Hmm. And he had this like gold Camry. (laughs) He just took a liking to us. And he was going to class, right? He was Mm -hmm. taking it seriously. And um, (laughs) he would give us his car. We like go to the beach. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that's what I did. And also, um, that drinking age in Australia is 18. Mm. And um, prior to my university time, I went to an all-girls Catholic school. So drinking oh. and smoking and all that stuff just, like, wasn't even on my radar. Yeah, just very like, strict. It just, yeah, it's something I that wasn't allowed and I just couldn't even imagine doing. I don't even know how to get alcohol. Wow. So I get to Australia and they're like, you've never had a drink before? And I'm like, no. And they're like, you've never gotten drunk? And I was like, no. They're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so that changed really quickly. <laughs> 
And my aunt and her husband are big wine, like huge wine fans as well. So I actually started drinking wine with them and really learned to appreciate it with them. And then, mm-hmm. you know, kind of got my first real fun university. Not that my, my, my time in, in university in Connecticut wasn't fun, but there was something about being abroad and like it being different and on another, another side of the world and with different people. And it just, I felt a sense of freedom, I think, that mm-hmm. I didn't feel in the U.S. Like I felt like I could let loose a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I get so that. So a typical day was, yeah, me waking up probably slightly hungover and then going to the beach. Going to the beach. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, whoever listens, hopefully there are no, like, teens listening to this and their parents are like, turn that off. That is not what you're going to be doing. Turn that shit off. <laughs> this person. She is not serious. <laughs> it's okay, late my parents. I turned out okay. Turned you out did. Fine. You did. You turned out fine. And I mean, you know, you're being honest, so yeah. you know, what yeah. more can you ask for? <laughs> I mean that sounds nice getting to spend the days at the beach and everything. Yeah, it was the best time of my life. <laughs> yeah. And I totally get um when you were talking about how you went to Australia and they were like baffled that you hadn't had yeah. alcohol. Cause yeah. I, um, you know, when I studied abroad, I, I went to Paris actually. Okay. Cool. And I, I wasn't in a strict environment where I wasn't yeah. like allowed or strongly yeah. discouraged from smoking or drinking, but it's just something I had no interest in. Yeah. So like when I told people I didn't drink, it was just like, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, it was like, it was like do- I was like, oh, because you've already been to rehab? What? No. <laughs> no, but just try this. This is like a special yeah. French wine. You're, it's part of the experience. Like, aren't you here yeah. for the French experience? You try this. Yeah. Just a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. When did you study abroad? It was back in uh, 2014. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, what did you think of it? I mean, I, I had a great time. I uh, I was with the host family, and they were wonderful. Um, Where in Paris were you? What's your oldest one? Do you remember? I was in the eighth. Oh, fancy! But it, but it was like in the uh, in the eighth, like right on the border with the seventeenth. Um, fancy. And then my intern, I did an internship in the seventeenth. Yeah. Where did you intern? I was. Um, I don't even know. It still exists. It's just not in the seventeenth anymore. I don't think. But it was like this place called. Um, Oh goodness, La Métis, La Métis, and it was like a a nonprofit that was like okay. supporting local artists to get them okay. like rehearsal spaces and okay. cool. event spaces and things like that. Um, cool. Yes, yeah, so that was my that was my experience there. But yeah, the drinking thing, I I came around later. Like yeah. it wasn't being in 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 France that. Yeah. Made me come around to appreciate yeah. alcohol. It took me like mm-hmm. a few more years after that, mm-hmm. but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it was it was the same. Uh, I was listening to you, and I was remembering my own experience of people mm-hmm. not understanding why I didn't yeah. drink, and then trying to like expose me more so I would yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> what did you think of What did you think of Paris? I mean, I um, Paris was somewhere I'd wanted to go since I was like mm-hmm. in kindergarten. So why? This was like <laughs> you sound so disgusting. <laughs> no, no, I love it here. I love it. I do love it here. I just 
Why? Yeah. I just, like, I honestly, it was cartoons. I really okay, liked like Madeleine or exactly. Like yeah. I, I watched that when yeah. I was little. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I was like, oh, they're saying words that I don't recognize and they have this yeah. funny accent. I want to yeah. know what they're yeah. saying. And then, yeah. you know, evolved from there to wanting to learn French and then wanting yeah. to go to France. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'd been wanting to go to Paris. <laughs> Since I was uh, really young. So it was like a dream come true, but also, you know, like a a challenge because I'd never been there before. And then I was living with French people and having to go to class and then also do an internship. Yeah. So it was, yeah, yeah, it was very, how can I say? I feel like I grew a lot from that experience. Um, And what did you think of the French? I mean, I think I got along pretty well. I think I had an edge in that. My accent is pretty good when I yeah. speak French, yeah. so it wasn't so obvious yeah. that I was American. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, when people ask me, like, oh, you, um, or what are French people like? Are they rude? Do they hate Americans? Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, no, they were, yeah. you know, they're either indifferent or some of them yeah. were, like, really nice. And I think yeah. because... Because I could speak the language or I had a convincing enough accent, mm-hmm. even when I couldn't, you know, find the words or whatever, mm-hmm. that helps. So, <laughs> yeah, that was my experience in a nutshell. Um, Did you spend any time outside of Paris? I didn't. I wanted to, but then uh, I think there was like a train strike that summer. Uh, and yeah, then, a yeah. And then I, uh, I mean, I went to Versailles and then yeah. I also went to London for a weekend. Oh, cool. Most of the time was in, in, in Paris, though. Yeah. And how long were you here in total? Like, uh, the whole summer. So, like, two, oh, three nice. months. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. So, only summer. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't compare to, obviously, you being there seven, eight mm-hmm. years. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just curious. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, but, yeah, you got to have a good time, mm-hmm. go to the beach, mm-hmm. kind of get exposed to the things that you weren't allowed to or weren't thinking about yeah. before. Yeah. Um, and I also... Yeah. Yo, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I also made it a point to... Um, so Carly was pretty much my only American friend, and we made it a pa- we made it a point not to become too friendly with other Americans <laughs> and try to be only friends with Australians, which uh-huh. helped us out a lot, because I feel like we got a lot of exposure to Australian culture, aside from, like, my my, fam- my aunt and, her, you know, her family. Mm. We're just, like, young Australian kids. Like, we, would go, we started going clubbing with them, and, like, yeah, so mm-hmm. it was quite fun as well. Well, because, you know, again, like I said, I was listening to your show, and um, mm-hmm. I think the, the last episode I was listening to, you were talking about, like, friendship and making friends mm-hmm. and everything, and mm-hmm. how, mm-hmm. like, the approach is a little different, being in mm-hmm. France. Mm-hmm. is Did you, since you were trying to, like, hang out with Australian people, did you notice, like, um, a different way you had to go about things and trying to meet Australian people or make Australian friends? Um. From what I can remember, I don't think so. I mean, I think I was just like, I think maybe I was just like hanging around a lot. Mm -hmm. Like we were just hanging around them a lot. They were like, okay, you guys want to hang out with us or something? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, it's such a long time ago. I really can't remember. Yeah. I just, it seems so like natural. I think we were all kind of, um, I think it's like any university in the beginning of the semester, new people are moving in. Everyone like sits around and like talks. And it's funny, I remember um, Tony, it was her name, um, one of the Australian girls that became our friend. She said that her and 
bunch of the people we used to hang out with made a pact that that semester they weren't going to hang out with any foreign kids hmm. because they always become so close to them and then they leave. And then they leave, yeah. And it's not like, oh, they're in London or Paris or Spain and there's a possibility that maybe either they'll come back for vacation or they can visit the States or whatever. It's like, no, you're probably never, I'm probably never going to go to Australia again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was really hard for them. But then they met us and they were like, oh shit, they're really cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> we just happened to, yeah. But I can't, I can't remember the specifics of how, yeah. I think it's just like being in university and like being on campus and just, I don't know, meeting people. It just seems like it was more natural than not that it's not natural now, but I feel like now, like when you meet someone and you want to be friends with them, it's almost like you're friend dating in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I feel like back then there was no friend dating. It was just like, oh, we're friends. Yeah. We're all living the same thing at the same time, you know, so. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I know you said you didn't go to class that often, but um, <laughs> being on campus and everything, did you, you know, was it pretty similar or familiar to being on an American campus? I or? felt like. I felt like the students had way more freedom. Okay. We were, we were, and I, you know, I think same here in France too, like they're treated like adults. Right. They're not coddled. Like, you know, no one's taking attendance. No one's like, it's like, okay, you're paying to get an education. The professor is going to come and do their job no Mm -hmm. matter what, whether or not you're there. Like if you fuck up, that's that's your issue. Yeah, Yeah. Not theirs. Um, so it's not like, you know, what I felt in the U.S. where the teachers took attendance and if you showed up to class, they were emailing you like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was just definitely more adult and kids, you know, students were left to fend for themselves more, I, I, I found, mm-hmm. versus in terms of like taking their education into their own hands. Yeah. Versus and, in the U.S. Yeah. And do you feel like you were able to swing it as far as like, grades go like being able to show oh, up yeah. for the tests and just you know yeah. kind of being it that way yeah and also because it was um pass fail oh okay so yeah. yeah so it was like as long as i got the bare minimum to pass it was just p and, and you were good yeah so oh, okay yeah so i mean you know but me and me and carly were definitely american slackers <laughs> during the trip because the other americans took it very seriously mm. Yeah. And me and Carly were like, yeah, so um, we're going to go to the beach. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, everyone's different, and I'm sure a lot of people would be like you to be like, yeah. okay, well, I'm here, but, yeah. like, what can I, you know, how can I maneuver this so I can have, like, mm. as much fun and enjoyment as possible? Yeah. 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 So. For sure. What, um, <clears throat> you mentioned beaches, but. Um, yeah. As someone who has not been to Perth and doesn't know much about Perth, like what is Perth like from your from your memory of it? Well, it's um it's the furthest city from I think anywhere I've ever been before. It's like on the west end of Australia. Hmm. It's a waterfront town. So like there's a river, there's a, a very famous river. I think it's called Swan River, if I remember correctly, and you have like super famous beaches, Cottesloe Beach. Um, that's the one we used all the time. There was another one. I can't remember. A little mm. further south, you have um, a lot of wine. It's super isolated. So I think at the time that I went, 2006, and maybe it's different now, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But at the time I went, people were very, people were definitely curious about Americans because there weren't a lot of Americans that went to that school. Mm. You had a lot of English people, a lot of Africans, um, a lot of Europeans but no Americans. So there's definitely a curiosity. What was also weird was that was the 
that was when I actually started texting because texting was really big there. Mm. But we didn't we didn't start texting yet in the U.S. that much. That's how old I am, I guess. Um, <laughs> so I was like texting there. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" So I said, like, "Why don't people call each other?" Um, I remember that very specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why. I know it's just like a very small, like a small city. Um, you know, kind of like beachy city on the on the water. So like very chill, very relaxed. Good food, good wine. Um, really nice people, curious people, honest, mm-hmm. oh, from my experience, honest people, good people. Mm-hmm. I didn't experience any kind of racism or anything. Um, and I think it's because at the time, mo- the people that unfortunately dealt with the brunt of the racism and still do in Australia are the Aboriginals. Dang. I mean, yeah. in terms of race relations, I feel like Australia is like a hundred years behind the U.S. and we are far from a hundred years behind the u.s oh that's terrible yeah yeah, really bad if you're an aboriginal person in australia like god bless your soul because oh my goodness yeah like a lot of them still live on like what are pretty much like reservations Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like what like native americans yeah it's really bad um and they're definitely discriminated against um so yeah, I didn't deal with any kind of racism or anything like that when I was there. I don't know if that, you know, or maybe I also didn't see it, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, because I was quite young as well. And I mean, I didn't, I mean, I knew racism existed, right? I'm not stupid, mm-hmm. but I kind of grew up in a New York City bubble. And even when I went to university, even though I went to a predominantly white institution, I happened to be friends with a lot of different people of different races. And those people were friends with people of different races too. Yeah. So it really wasn't until I got to the corporate world, I was like, what the going on here are you crazy so i even if there i just had a great yeah i just remember australia being i think i think in some ways my last um my last moment of like true freedom in terms of not thinking about consequences of my actions and things mm. like that and just like living to live and just like having a great time yeah so yeah yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. I feel like towards the end, I didn't really answer. No, 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 no. That was that was great. I was just you yeah. know listening to you um, talk about your experience, and so you were away six months. Did you ever feel homesick at all being away? That I did long? in the beginning because the flight was so long. I went from New York to LA, LA to Sydney. Then I stopped over in Cannes for a little. Uh, can't, I forgot how to pronounce Cairns, can, whatever, somewhere more for a little bit. So, like, mm. scuba dive and all that shit. Like, it was just like so much <laughs> traveling. The best time I got, to, and then I got to Perth, and my aunt has this like weird Jamaican Australian accent. Her husband's Scottish, so he has like this weird Scottish Australian accent. My cousins have like the thickest Australian accent. <laughs> so, I didn't understand what anybody was saying. <laughs> And I was just like, what am I doing here? I feel like I haven't slept in a week. And like, oh, no. these people are speaking to me in allegedly, allegedly they're speaking to me in English. Allegedly. And I don't understand what they're saying. <laughs> so I think like the first day or two, I was like, what the fuck is going on? What am I doing? What am I doing? But then I think I didn't feel as much homesickness because my aunt was there. Mm-hmm. So I would go, whenever I felt like I needed a family situation, I need to be in a house with like a real kitchen, you know, I would go to their place and my aunt also cooked Jamaican food. So, you know, anytime, anytime I felt yeah, any type of homesickness, I would just go there. So I didn't really experience it that much. Yeah. Obviously you were there for six months. It was mm. some years ago. Um, mm. So you might not know, but I, I remember at one point you were saying in um, dinner for one, how there's like. 40 Jamaicans total in Paris. <laughs> like, it's yeah. a very small number. Yeah, is your small. Is your aunt kind of, like, an anomaly in that way? Like, in that there's when, a small number of Jamaicans in Australia as well? When, I remember when we were there, she invited, you know, she took me and Carly to a barbecue for friends, and she, who, who happened to be a Jamaican woman. 
Mm-hmm. I don't remember the other people, the other women, if they were Jamaican. But yeah, I don't think there are a lot of Jamaicans in Australia either. It's a far way to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jamaica. Figures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you went to Australia, you were there for six months, and you came back, and then you moved to France. I want to ask you to tell that whole story because I know you do it like mm-hmm. all the time at this point. <laughs> but you got married, you met someone, you got married, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. moved with him to Paris, and then things didn't work out, and then eventually you decided to start Dinner for One, right? Yeah, Is that exactly. basically how yeah, things went? Okay. I'm curious uh, about, because it, it seems like starting Dinner for One was like a way for you to kind of process the end mm-hmm. of that relationship and mm-hmm. how you were going to like build your life from there as a, mm-hmm. someone living solo in Paris and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering why, of all the different things you could have done or creative outlets you could have chosen why a podcast to to mm-hmm. do that yeah well because i know that i don't have the discipline to keep up with the blog <laughs> <laughs> so i knew that and also i was listening to a lot of podcasts at the time and i was just like no one's ever done this before mm. i was like let me give it a shot a kind of like na- single narrative podcast where i'm cooking in my kitchen and like just talking to people mm-hmm and I figured it would feel like it would be a, a kind of a therapy session for me some ways, in some ways, like, you know, much cheaper, obviously, like free. But also, <laughs> it's, you know, sometimes it's like yeah. I feel like I'm talking to like a, like a girlfriend mm-hmm. or a guy friend. You know, I just when I'm on the mic and I'm cooking, it's like I'm it's like my, you know, a friend is in the kitchen sitting there with me and I'm we're shooting the shit. Mm-hmm. So I think that was um yeah, that's why I decided to do a podcast. I thought it was an interesting medium to to explore this kind of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. For sure. I mean, I definitely think so. I think it's really fascinating, fascinating to hear, you know, your experience. And it does kind of feel like we're in your kitchen with you as you're cooking. Um, so that's really cool. That's well, at least that's, that's what, what I, I enjoy about it. <laughs> that's what um, I want. So were you that much of a cook before you started the show or before you were, you know, living by yourself in Paris? Um, me and my ex-husband, we always love to host people, right? Mm. Um, but he he was, I was just trying to figure out a way to make it seem like, no, he, he was the cook. <laughs> he was the one who, who cooked most of the time. Okay. I would do like my thing here and there, but um, it was, he definitely like was like the uh, chef in the relationship show, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always loved. I grew up with home cooked meals every day. Like we were not a fast food family. Mm-hmm. We were not even really a restaurant family. Um, McDonald's was like a huge thing. So for me, food is a huge source of comfort, and it's definitely a way of showing love. And once I started cooking, I just felt like I, if I could do something like this, such a nice thing for myself and take care of myself in that, in that way. And so in the most simple way, then I'll be okay. You know, yeah. and like as my confidence in the kitchen grew and I started becoming more comfortable with like trying different types of recipes and even like, you know, trying to cook French food and things like that. My confidence outside the kitchen grew too, because mm-hmm. I was taking care of myself. I was getting better. I wasn't going out every night in order to avoid like, you know, the reality of my, of my life at the time yeah as a like newly you know single divorced woman mm-hmm. so yeah it was definitely food was a source of um comfort and confidence and i wasn't a huge cook but you know i figured it out yeah oh and something i wanted to say i really do like how with your show it's kind of like 
you know, you're showing how life goes on after divorce. Yeah. It's not like the yeah. worst thing ever. And my parents, yeah. they got divorced when I was a child. And mm. that was actually, I remember at the time people feeling really sorry for me and everything mm. um, or wondering if I would be okay. But it, that was actually like the best thing that could yeah, have happened, honestly. So I like that with your show. It's not like, I'm sure you... You know, like you have moments where you might still be grief or like questions about nope, what happens happen. Oh, you are happy. Okay. <laughs> well, perfect then. Um, but, um, you know, it's not like divorce is not the worst thing ever no, and life course. goes on. I like that element not. about your show as well. Of course not. I mean, it, it sucks, right? Like I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't wish divorce on on anyone. I would mm-hmm. hope that the pe- people that decide to marry and people that decide to like, you know, to clear their love in a formal way in front of their friends and family. I wish that they would stay together for an, forever and ever. Amen. It's heart wrenching. Mm-hmm. I hope I never have to go through that again. Yeah. But yeah, you do. If you make, you know, once you have your, you know, a couple months of like, you know, as a friend would say, do non porte quoi. Mm. <laughs> you know, you just kind of, you, you get yourself together and you figure it out and you decide how you're going to move forward because yeah, yeah, it isn't the end of the world. It's yeah. just the beginning of another part of your life. That's exactly. It. Exactly. Um, what about your show? Do you feel like people most respond to? Is it the cooking element or the living in Paris element or like the relationship element? What do you think people respond to most? I think they like the like the aspect of what I just mentioned earlier. It's like it's not, it feels like you know you're sitting in my kitchen with me, yeah. having a drink, having a snack as I'm cooking. But I think it's mostly the like. I think it's mostly this different perspective about life in Paris, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's not a rich white woman that's like <laughs> galloping around on, you know, mm-hmm. the left bank going to these fancy boutiques and like, you know, whatever. Yeah. And living this complete fantasy of life in Paris. Like this is, people do live like that in Paris and that's great. And I'm happy for them. There is this other side of, um, when the fantasy ceases to exist anymore mm-hmm. and you have to, really adapt and really make it your home and become comfortable with being a foreigner here by yourself. Because when you're a foreigner here with a French person, mm-hmm. it's okay because you have like the French person to guide you and to help you and to, but if anything, if anything happens now, like I'm on my own, I have to do the film in French. I have to do my taxes by myself. I have right. to really live this experience by myself. And, um, it is part of the, in some ways one could say it is a part of the fantasy too, right? It is a part of the fantasy of like kind of becoming really French in your own way mm-hmm. because you're having to live like a real French person. So yeah, it's just like the, I think people are attracted to the, um, the Paris side of it and like living this life. And I think people are also interested in the story of a young divorced woman. I think people love hearing other people's stories mm-hmm. and the, in, even though I'm happen to be young and divorced in Paris, I'm not the first person that has gone through a really shitty breakup and is trying to figure mm-hmm. it out along the way. So I think people can relate to that um, as well. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. As far as living in Paris goes, I think I've seen you post on Instagram a few times about how much you love your neighborhood. Yeah. Um, ever and ever. Amen. Can you, yes. <laughs> can you, uh, I mean, can you describe your neighborhood and what you love okay. so much about it? So I live in the DZTM, Montmartre, on the other side of Sacré-Cœur. Mm-hmm. Um, what I love about it is it's like, it's like a little village. Right, it really is like you have the center, like the Marais. You have the Eleventh, which is actually very trendy and hipstery. <laughs> um, you have the Left Bank, which is very shishi and posh. But then you, you 
go over the hill and it's quiet and it's like you're it's like we're in our own little bubble over here mm. and it, it, it is rapidly gentrifying but i still do see enough brown and black faces that it doesn't make me like recoil in horror in the way in which the neighborhood has changed yeah um and everyone's really nice people look out for each other you know people that are here have lived here their entire lives it's just it's very um it's very warm right? the people are very warm which i i think a lot of people find foreigners will find shocking about parisians it is i don't know it's just the best it's just, <laughs> it's, um, it's very different from any other arrondissement i've been to okay in Paris. And this could also just be my little part of the 18, right? Because it's also a very specific part of the 18. Mm-hmm. It's just very... What's what I'm looking for here? It feels like the kind of place where if you end up staying here forever, you'd be okay with that. Mm. Like, you feel like you won't be missing out on much. Yeah. Probably really is much better out there anyway. So, mm. I'm good. <laughs> it's that kind of place. And maybe I'm biased. I don't know. But I really just love this... Um, I really, I really have a, there's a soft spot in my heart for this neighborhood. Yeah. That's good though. That sounds yeah. like the ideal position to be in where yeah. you not only enjoy the city you're living in, but even yeah. your, your neighborhood, you know, yeah. you feel at home there. Yeah. Um, I really lucked out. Like even the people in the cheese shop, oh. they're like, oh, the petite American. Oh. Qu'est-ce que, qu'est-ce que vous goûtez aujourd'hui? I'm like, oh my God, do you have the, the brie à la truffe? I love that one. <laughs> Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, that's great. Have you been in the, in the 18th since you, yes, like, have you lived there this whole time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This okay. is the first place. And I guess maybe that's why as well. Like, I I just feel comfortable here. This is where I've always lived. I've always yeah. loved it. And uh, I've always, yeah. And it's so funny because I remember before I moved here, um, I had to come here for like a holiday. And um, I was on my way back to New York. And I took the the Charles de Gaulle bus, the bus that goes to Charles de Gaulle from the ninth around this mall. And I remember, and it passes through Rue Clignancourt, mm. Rue Coulancourt, pardon, Rue Coulancourt. And I, and you know, it's a tree lined street and it, it curves. And I remember sitting on the bus thinking like, wow, next time I come to Paris, I really want to explore this neighborhood. It looks really nice. And then my ex-husband found an apartment here. And yeah. So yeah, it's serendipitous as well. I think. Yeah. Sounds like it. And uh, as as you mentioned, you've been living in Paris for like seven, seven years. yeah, so seven years time now. Flies. Yeah, <laughs> um, I can't believe it. Thinking back on like when you first arrived, like when you first mm-hmm. moved, mm-hmm. is there anything that you would say to the Sutanya who just moved to to Paris in terms of like I don't know advice or just handling living in in France and beginning this new journey? question no <laughs> i just i've had such a knock on wood hope not jinx anything yeah. i mean of course there's stuff that i i regret saying to certain people and stuff i regret doing but it helped to make this experience right mm-hmm. nothing tragic or it was i mean besides end of my marriage but um, <laughs> nothing sorry no that's not nothing funny. terrible happened besides my marriage <laughs> failing uh, <laughs> no but really i mean like other than i mean other than the end of my marriage i mean Everything else has just been a part of my learning experience being here. Mm-hmm. I think if, honestly, I think if you ask me that, if I end up staying in Paris for 15, 20, 30 years, the rest of my life even, I think maybe then I'd have something more 
profound to say, but it, because it also, it also still feels very new, right? Because mm. the first uh, three years I was here, I was a married woman. Mm-hmm. And so living here in all these past four years, it's been a completely, and I wouldn't say the past four years. So I had a year, like after the end of my marriage, I was just like a mess. So I just like canceled that year. So it's really been three years of me mm-hmm. feeling okay. Yeah. So it's like a completely different experience. And also now I'm dating, which I wasn't doing before. Mm-hmm. So that's also just like dating in France is a whole other situation. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, I, it almost feels like I'm living a second life in Paris now as a 35-year-old woman versus the 27-year-old woman that um, that moved here. So I think I matured a lot. I've grown up a lot in many ways. So mm-hmm. I think I would probably have a better answer 10, 15, 20 years from now. Or who knows? Maybe, I say, maybe I'll say the same thing. Like, nope. <laughs> Figure it out. Figure it out, bitch. <laughs> That's what I'd say to her. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so you mentioned possibly living in Paris for the rest of your life or, you know, at least for years to come. Like yeah, you're not looking yeah. to go anywhere else. No. But I mean, is there anywhere else within France that you've thought of that you'd like to live in or? Um, definitely the south of France. Okay. I'm kind of obsessed with the south of France. So I could definitely see myself living there. Um, I love the weather. It reminds me a lot of Jamaica in mm. terms of, um, I just, I can feel very nostalgic when I'm down there. It reminds me a lot of my summers in Jamaica. Mm. This, this kind of freedom, leaving the city, the humidity, the the focus on like food and, and, and family and friends and things. This is a part of just French culture in general, but um, just something about being in the South that feels like real summer, a real break. It reminds me of Jamaica and mm-hmm. I love it. It's absolutely gorgeous and by the water and blah, blah, blah. Um, besides that's the only other place in France I can see myself living in terms of Europe, Sicily, mm. for sure. Love Sicily as well for the same kind of reason, nostalgic reasons. I also really like Florence a lot. Also in Italy, London or Amsterdam. That's it. Those are the only places I've been lucky enough to travel quite a bit, but those are the only places that I could, if, Paris is no longer an option or I decide to move, it would likely be to one of those places, yeah. not moving back to the U.S. Sorry. Right. I mean, it's of not course, happening. I, I yeah. wouldn't, in no. your position, I wouldn't do that either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a smart move. <laughs> it's not. It's a, it's, yeah. 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 No, like, you know, when I see people, because I'm in a few expat groups, even though I'm not mm-hmm. like an expat currently or not, you know, Mm. studying abroad or anything currently. But, Mm. um, you know, people move back for whatever reason, family reason or job reason. And I'm just like, why? Like, you, you, you were, you were good. I mean, seriously. (laughs) Like, yeah. Why would you do that to yourself? But (laughs) exactly. I'm just like, my family can visit me. Right. <laughs> That's what they can do. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um have have they visited you since you mentioned it? Have has anyone um, from home visited you? Yeah, I've had people visit quite often. I mean it's a free place to stay, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> I was almost like, Okay guys, stop, thanks. But you know, I shouldn't say that. It's very nice to have them here. But yeah, mm-hmm. they have a free place to stay, so why wouldn't they come? Yeah. And it's also great for me to like show off and like speak French Mm -hmm. and like show them like my little French life and go to restaurants and be like, (laughs) 
<laughs> and I act like I know what I'm talking about with the wine. Like, oh, we, 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 probably so impressed, though. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom is like, my mom is just like, my daughter, wow, what a woman. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I'm impressed, too. Like, just, <laughs> even though I don't know you personally, but having listened to your show and talking to you now, just the fact that you've been able to just make it work in, in, in Paris, even though the circumstances have, cha- have changed, mm-hmm. you know, just rolling with it and doing your yeah. best, that's, that's impressive to me. Well, um, thank you. You know, yeah. not being only by the grace of God. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. for sure. So, yeah. um, For Australia, I forgot to ask. Well, no, you said it was fully funded, right? So you didn't have yeah. to like... No. Oh, okay. I didn't wow. pay anything. Yeah. Oh, that's great then. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so because whatever like my tuition oh, that's right. was yeah. for that semester, it just, that money went automatic, went to the school. Yeah. So went to the school, I went to Australia. So, yeah. Yeah. So you didn't that have to pay great. anything. Perfect. Okay. Well, then, do you have any? Do you have any (laughs) advice or tips for someone who'd like to study abroad, like you did, or someone who just wants to travel more? Do it. That's it. That's it. Do it. I mean, studying abroad. Like, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I have a tattoo of the constellation on my body, so it was like (laughs) such an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. So, if you have the opportunity to study abroad, do it. Um, I don't. I don't advise going into debt, but even if your school doesn't fund it, if you could find scholarships or a GoFundMe or raise money through your church, with your family, whatever, Mm -hmm. work, you know, five jobs in the summer, whatever you need to do to kind of make up, um, kind of get the money together, gather enough funds in order to do it, I would highly recommend it. It'll Mm -hmm. change your life. And even if you, you know, and you don't have to go, if you're super uncomfortable about not only going abroad, but also going to a country um, that speaks a foreign language. That's totally understandable. But even if you go to London, it's a, they speak English, but it's a completely different culture. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're yeah. still going to learn something, and then you'll still be able to travel to France, to Italy, to you know whatever. If you know your um, financial situation allows you to do so, mm-hmm. or even within um, the UK, or just even within London, because just going from West London to East London is like a different world. Mm-hmm. So I would say um, definitely do it plan obviously as much as you can if you're in school but more than likely you know you've set up at the university whatever so just do it enjoy your time and have fun and I know that school education is very important and going to class is very important but I learned so much more about Australia <laughs> and Australian culture not going to class not going to class so yeah. if you have a pass fail situation just as much as you can to pass and just really immerse yourself in the culture in yeah. terms of moving abroad the easiest way to do it is to marry someone but there is the chance for a divorce. So yeah. I don't know if I would recommend that as a strategy. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, if you decide to move abroad, it's also a great opportunity. But that is where you're going to have to plan a little bit more. If you do not have a job lined up, uh, make sure you have enough money, like savings, to live for six months to a year hmm. before you can find a job. Because especially in today's climate, like every economy in the world is like in shambles, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to want to um, save enough money, try to get an apartment before you get here. Just read up as much as you can about how expats live mm-hmm. um, before making the move because it's a big move. Um, and even if you only end up staying here a year or two or wherever you go, a year or two, 
you don't want your year or two here, if whatever country you're at, to be struggling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so just make sure you can, you, financially at least, you are okay living for six months to a year. And then after that, once you get your visas together and you're allowed to, um, to, to, to move to your country of choice, just do it. What do you have to lose, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have nothing. I mean, you literally have nothing to lose other than being like, oh, yeah, when I was whatever age, I lived in you know, Istanbul for a year. That mm-hmm. was cool. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, I know or her is the is the lockdown over in France or are y'all yeah, still yeah, okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um yeah okay i was cuz i was asking or i was going to ask like where you'd like to go in the future as far as places to visit but i don't know how travel restrictions are like like within can, Europe country to country or we can travel within Europe no problem okay. i mean they did a really good job almost all the european countries um obviously there was a bit of um a delay you know, because no one knew what was going on, right? Mm-hmm. But once they realized what was going on, you went to strict lockdown. I think we had one of the strictest lockdowns in Europe. Mm. Um, I have to wear masks everywhere. I still wear my mask whenever I'm inside, um, whenever I'm in shops and stores and boutiques and the metro and mm-hmm. things like that. But outside, you don't have to wear them anymore. You can have gatherings. There's still no concerts or, you know, like sports uh, games or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think movie theaters reopened as well. Um, some movie theaters, movie theaters, yeah. But life is slowly getting back to normal. And yeah, we can travel throughout Europe. That's fine. But okay. I think most people this year, like me personally, I'm just, I'm staying local and staying in France this year. Just making a couple trips to the south of France. That's it. Okay. And any places that are on, like, maybe your list of places to go in the future that you'd like to visit? Oh, or yeah. Revisit? I, um, I definitely want to go back to Sicily because I love it so much. Mm. I want to go to Corsica. Which is technically France, but it's like an island off the coast of France. Definitely want to go there. Mm-hmm. I also want to go to Austria. That's like a recent new kind of hmm, Austria. What's that about? <laughs> I want to check it out. Yeah. I also want to go. So that's within Europe. So I also want to go to Japan. I want to go. To, I'm dying to go to Tokyo. Mm. I had the opportunity to go to Tokyo a couple of years ago, and I did, and I did go, and I regret that mm. a lot. And um, I also would love to go to Brazil, but who knows when I'll be able to do that. Yeah, for so, real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. especially Brazil. So, uh, yeah. yeah. But for now, for Europe, yeah, I think for the foreseeable future, I'm probably going to stay pretty local. And hopefully by next year, I'll be able to, yeah, pop over to Vienna, head down to Sicily, maybe hop over to Greece at some point. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I hope you're able to do that as well. And even for the other places... If you don't, even if you don't know when you'll get to go, it's good to have them in mind. So, you know, so you have something to look forward to or fantasize about or, you know, plan in advance. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, that's all I had as far as questions for you today. I really do. Oh, wait, I always forget. No, it wasn't. Um, Where can people (laughs) reach you or keep up with what you're doing online if you'd like Um, them to do so? Yeah, well, you can follow my podcast. Um. If you just type, if you can listen to it by Googling Jennifer One Podcast, it'll pop up. It's, you know, you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, or it's the podcast. You can also follow um, me on Instagram, Jenner4, as in F-O-R, um, and period, like the punctuation, and then one, O-N-E. And there's also a website, Jenner4 One Podcast, where I um, kind of share the inspiration behind every episode and the recipes that I speak about 
in the episodes, the corresponding episodes. So yeah, that's where you can find me on the internet. Okay, perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, of course. This well, morning for me, evening for you. <laughs> and uh, you have a great evening and rest of your week. Okay. You too. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. 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 All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to Sudanya for being such a wonderful guest, and I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook and at YG Abroad on Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to this podcast wherever podcasts are. And you're welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher while you're at it. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode, in two weeks, the guest is going to be an educator and a travel blogger from Detroit who lives in Oman and who also spent some time studying in Germany and South Africa. So we'll have a nice handful of places to talk about next time. And you can look forward to hearing more about that in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.